Welcome to It's a Nice Place to Brew with Jason and George, a show about all things beer and beer making. Gentlemen, please broadcast responsibly. You know, this is not a video podcast, but George just uh, showed me a picture on his phone, uh, which brings back a lot of memories <laughs> of, a, of a of uh, a fermenter, <laughs> which, uh, needless to say, has some activity. Yeah. And whoever the poor soul is who uh, who put that firm, uh, fermenter together um, decided to decided that a small little uh, plastic airlock was going to be sufficient for what he had going. We've all been there. Was not to be. We've all been there. Yeah. Blow-off tubes are always a good thing, <laughs> in my opinion, but especially on a primary, secondary, maybe not so much, but... <laughs> Definitely flashing back to an earlier episode of the show. Yeah. Um, our last meat experiment uh, did result in my kitchen, you know, basically <laughs> looking like a volcano just went through. And uh, the, our first all-grain um, uh, yeah. Belgian did that You're to right. us. You're right. It was It was, was all over my basement. <laughs> Anyways, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Welcome to A Nice Place to Brew. I'm Jason. I'm George. And welcome to uh, welcome to the show. At uh, the time of this recording is the beginning of 2017, which means we made it through 2016, mm. and we're on to another year and uh, another year of bigger, better things. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a pleasure uh, being here. It's a pleasure doing the show, and it's a Pleasure doing these uh, these recipes and uh, and the beer making that we uh, so enjoy and we've learned so much doing. My goal for 2017 is to brew enough and drink enough beer that I don't remember 2016. <laughs> you know what? It's you know let's let's touch on that for a minute. I don't know anybody anywhere who isn't saying that same thing. Yeah, that 2016 was across the board difficult. Uh, you know, just, un, just a, yeah. unproductive. Just it was just a bad year all around. It's, it's the only you know? thing that positive came out of it is just giving me new motivation in 2017 to get friggin' organized. You know, and, Th- that's and a great get some point. Stuff done. But, yeah. You know. But anyway, yeah. So here we are. Yeah. 2017. Our start of the start of better things. Yes. 2017. That's that, that's going to be the mantra right now. A start of better things. Our this is what our fifteenth. Episode. No, no, we're we're ahead of that. We're ahead uh, yeah, of that. The, uh, oh, good the, for the, us. The, the episode number is sixteen. Okay. However, um, our <laughs> our numbering system has been imperfect. We had a, <laughs> we, we had we had a couple um, intermediary shows as introductions for the um, for the summer. Um, uh, oh, right. and memories event. Yeah, uh, okay. there's there's also a lost episode. Um, if you if you follow the uh, the trail, you can see that <laughs> it's true. So uh, this uh, yes, this will be labeled as episode 16, but I don't think this is truly episode 16. Okay. Yeah. So so yeah oh, yeah. So this is the first uh, first show of the year, and um, we have not done an episode um, in recent months covering some of the uh, recent uh, brew projects that we've put together. So, we want, wanted to do one full episode dedicated to all of those. I think the last recipe that we had talked about was the um, was the Pilsner. Yes, was the uh, the Pilsner Lager that we did, which was late summer. Um, George and I have been busy since then. We have made a lot of different beers, and uh, they've come out very well too. So yeah. we've we've got a lot of good stuff to uh, to talk about here on the show today. Um, but we are going to uh, begin this episode by opening up a bottle. This is courtesy of a good friend of ours named Nate. 
Nate, thank you very much, my friend. What I have in front of me here between me and George is a bottle of 13th Hour made by Sam Adams. Not sure if you've heard of them. (laughs) Uh, Sam Adams, a 13th Hour uh, aged ale in oak barrels. It is uh, detailed as a dark Belgian-style stout with notes of spice, coffee, chocolate, and oat. Translation, everything up my alley. Uh, let's see. Uh, it's This is a bomber-sized bottle, uh, 9% alcohol by volume, and um, this looks just fantastic. I can't wait to uh This is uh, one of this. those that they have like kind of a champagne cork kind of system in it, so Jason's yeah. going to open that now, and... I'll let you guys know if there's a new dent in his ceiling. Oh, oh trust me, they'll they'll hear it from both of us when this is going. <laughs> let me let me get a uh, picture of this before uh, before I send this off. Okay, we got it. This will okay. be the uh, cover episode for the show, and we'll see what kind of great material for the show this uh, this becomes if this lights off. Okay, three, two, one. <laughs> Come three, on. two. One. Come on. Right, here we go. Easy yeah, does okay. it. Easy does it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. <laughs> well done. Okay. Oh. Okay, this is heavily carbonated. Oh. Okay, and it pours dark. Mm, smell that. It smells like a coffee stout. It does. It's definitely got the the dark uh, dark color to it. It looks like a porter. That's hard for me to tell, to be honest, but there's sometimes not a whole lot of difference between color and porter and stout, depending on who you talk to. This is, well, you're right. It is classified as, as a stout. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's gonna take a few minutes, a few minutes for this to uh, to settle down. It does. It has a nice creamy head. Though. Talk about I like this appropriately. It. Yeah. All right. Well, while this settles down, do we want to talk about the uh, the amber that we did? Yeah. Let's, okay. Let's go into it. Okay. We'll, we'll give this a chance to. I didn't. Uh, I didn't quite plan. Uh, didn't quite plan for it to to go this way. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about the first recipe. Plans. We've. Uh, <laughs> We've got uh, we've got three uh, three recipes to to, uh, to talk about today. We're gonna talk about them in sequence of the calendar when we made these. Mm-hmm. So the first one we are going back to I think September of mm, yes. uh, of uh, of twenty sixteen. Um, the weather was good, and I think we brewed this on the first day of the football season, if I remember this correctly. I think you might be right because yeah. we had uh, we had a little screen set up in the garage. Yeah. The uh, the weather was fantastic, and uh, we guess we got to do our beer making thing and catch a game at the same time. Kick back, have a couple uh, have a couple glasses. Nothing wrong. It was with a that. great day. Um, the um, the first uh, the first beer is um, uh, we will describe as an uh, as a pumpkin pie flavored amber ale. Now, the origin of this recipe goes back a year when we made a pumpkin pie-flavored stout. Right. Um, which we did at the end of the uh, summer of 2015. This was the first uh, first recipe I'd ever put together. So needless to say, that was that was an important day for me. 
And it was a beer that I really enjoyed. Um, it was spiced with nutmeg, cinnamon, and I think cloves was the third spice I in that. I think so, yeah. Um, we decided um, we were going to do a different take on that this year, and we were going to try to use that same type of spice blend <clears throat> and um, inc- uh, include those in an amber ale. So what we'd be uh, left with is kind of a sweet... Um, Creamy. Um, yeah. Because this, is, this isn't this is a traditional amber ale. We made some modifications. The goal was that when you drink it, you feel like you're drinking a pumpkin pie. Like, I literally right, went right. out to the internet and said, Libby pumpkin pie recipe, <laughs> and pulled the spices off of there. So I think the word I was looking for was sweet, spicy. Spicy, S- yeah. Spicy, um, kind of uh, kind of milky flavored mm-hmm. uh, uh, flavor. And to your point, yes, we did look at the um, recipe for some classic pumpkin pie to as far as to what made up these flavors. So uh, I'm going to take a quick break from this because uh, my glass is settled, I think, just appropriately. And okay. uh, cheers. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot going on there. Wow. Well, there's 13 ingredients in that beer, so. The barrel age definitely comes through. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, there's oak mm-hmm. going on in there. Yeah. It's a, just a hint of coffee, which is good. Chocolate comes through also. Chocolate, and you can taste the spices in there, too. Yeah. It's everything that it says on the tin, basically. Yeah. That's that's really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I'll help you drink the rest of that. Oh, I, I need all the help I can get. <laughs> oh, Nate, my friend, thank you very much. That is a fantastic bottle. Yeah. Anyway, um, the embarrassing detail about the... Um, Pumpkin pie flavored amber ale is neither George nor I have had a glass of it thus far. Yes, it's true. And the reason for that is just because other projects have taken precedence. Um, I guess I'm uh, um, cutting uh, forward to uh, some of the future uh, details on the show. But um, we had um, we had a couple projects later on in the year that just ended up taking precedence and it still hasn't been carbonated. So it's in the keg. It's sitting. It's waiting. It just needs to be carbonated. Exa- so. Exactly. Got a full thing of CO two here, and we're gonna get that done. That's right. Um, so I'm looking at the recipe right now. Um, this is not a high alcohol beer. No, it was. It wasn't designed to be. It was. It was de- designed to be sweet and spicy and just flavorful. Um, the target original gravity was uh, ten sixty three. Um, our notes did say that we uh, we had, uh, we got it to one uh, to ten sixty, right? So yeah, well within range of, of where we were where we were going to. Uh, the IBUs uh, were twenty two point three. Uh, the SRM is f- uh, fourteen point nine. So you got a good crisp um, amber color to it, which we did achieve. Uh, ingredients: um, the the uh, malt mix was. Um, Dingaman's Pale Ale, uh, followed by uh, Caramel's uh, 60 Lovo Bond, and uh, and that was it for the uh, for the mash. Uh, we had two, uh, we have two, blah. we had we had two hops, uh, Cascade and Fuggle, and uh, we included uh, ginger root and cinnamon stick as uh, as adjuncts. Uh, the the one unique addition that we had with this 
was milk sugar. True, lactose, yes. I, I also wanted to mention, I think that there was also nutmeg in there, but that wasn't in the Beersmith menu. So I think there's right. also yeah, nutmeg in the out. recipe. I, I did leave that out, yes. Yeah. Um, and we used a pretty sizable amount of, of milk sugar. So um, in that, um, uh, that was that's all uh, post-mash addition at that point. You're, that's, a, that's an immediate boil addition. So um, you're getting a lot less. You're getting a little bit less gravity from the grains in this recipe uh, than you would in the traditional recipe, where you wouldn't have a sugar adjunct. And um, the sugar definitely was was enough to give it added flavor and also kick the uh, gravity up a couple of points. Uh, well, it, it's unfermentable, so yes, it kicks the gravity up, but the final gravity gets kicked up as well. So we still maintain that five percent. Mm-hmm. But we ended up with a final gravity of like ten twenty six. We did. So that makes it a little bit more sweet, uh, a little sweeter of a beer. So and that it, was by design. Absolutely by yep. design. And that's yep. part of the reason why it's not a traditional amber ale, right? Because a traditional amber ale tends to be a little bit more dry and um, a little bit more hop forward. In ours, the hops kind of take a backseat to the spices and to the sweetness and everything. But you know, it was based around our amber ale recipe from 2015 yep and you mean our pumpkin pie recipe from 2015 no i meant our amber the the base beer was our amber recipe and then we added the pumpkin pie oh, elements right. on top yes. of that. yes 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 because the pumpkin right. pie one from 2015 was a stout correct yeah correct yes so yeah so i don't know i i, we, I have tried a little bit of it and so jason it was extremely flat but we do know a few things we know that it's got a little bit of sweetness and we know that the spices are extremely pronounced in it so um beyond that we're both kind of excited to see how the whole thing is kind of mellowed out especially having a good amount of time to age in the in the keg yeah yeah we'll be tasting that very soon for sure and i guess note to self no we know what uh we know what we're going to be focused on uh, during uh, the fall slash winter time next year, um, I think the pumpkin beer for uh, for twenty seventeen, probably midsummer. Yeah, I think uh, so. It's think, ready for exactly. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. We waited a little t- bit too long, I think, on this one. Yeah, we did. Well, we'll get it right in twenty seventeen. <laughs> Be more do, organized. Do we, more organized. <laughs> do things better. That's the mantra. <laughs> it's going to come up probably a few more times on the show. I'm, I'm liking the sound of that. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Um, I'm excited to talk about this next one. Go ahead. As George is refilling my glass. Thank you very much, sir. Um, George and I placed second place in a competition for this uh, next beer that we're going to talk about. Um, this, uh, this was another repeat from a project that we did in, 20, uh, in 2015, um, and that is our uh, Smoke Stout. Uh, I, I guess... <laughs> I am personally very very proud of this title do you, do you want to tell them what it's called it's called you smoke too <laughs> and uh if you don't know what that's uh what that's referencing um you're you're missing uh you're missing the greatest movie from the 80s <laughs> <laughs> anyway um we did a smoked uh we did a smoked porter in 2015 um we did it very differently um we did not use a smoker we uh we we Smoke some grains using a regular charcoal grill. Mm-hmm. Um, 
we did it with more of the grain bill than we did this time? No, it was about the same. It was about the same. Okay. Yeah, 10% of the base. Is, okay. Yeah, so it was just R- the smoking. Tip. Let's highlight that. The rule of thumb for uh, for smoked beers is 10% of your base grain will be removed from uh, the grain bill and uh, used for smoking purposes. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on how much intensity you want. So you really, I mean, what they say is like 5 to 5 to 10% of the total. I think 10% of the total is a bit extreme. Uh, and so what we tend to do is 10% of the base because it's easy to figure out and because when you combine in the specialty grains, it ends up being somewhere between 5 and 7% mm-hmm. of the total grain bill. And so it kind of gives a nice smoky texture and flavor without being overwhelming. Right. So we wanted to uh, to make this as a, as a high-gravity uh, smoked beer. Um, we had a target um, ABV of over 8%, so you're into the Imperial Porter category, uh, which we did achieve. Um, the, uh, the smoking process, let's, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, in the 2015, um, the, uh, the, this, uh, we used the same percent, percentage of the base grain. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was used on a charcoal grill, as we mentioned earlier. Me, being that it was our only option because we didn't have access to a smoker, and the smoking process took a very long time. Or it was very quick. It was okay. It was quick, but yeah. however, um, the drying process and just kind of the the keeping of the grains kind of added some uh, added. There were some added mechanics within within the brew day, just kind of based on that. There were because I remember okay. You, you, you'll have to fill in some blanks uh, mm-hmm. on this for me. But um, after the smoking the grains was completed, we spread the grains upon a, a metal sheet. And then they were brought into the house, and they were just kind of housed um, kind of in a unheated oven for some time as, think, as they, as they dried out. I think the oven at like 100 degrees, as low as the oven oh, would go. Oh, okay, okay. So there was some heat on some it. Some heat on it just to dry them out. Okay. Um, and because the the charcoal grill was was like I said very fast, um, that's partially my fault because I had the coals too high. Okay, all right. Um, so that did a couple things. It burnt through the um, wood chips faster than expected and produced a ton of really sweet smelling smoke. Um, but it also didn't dry out the at the grains as much as it should have because we weren't on there for long enough. And it um, and the uh, the it, it scorched the bottom of the grains a little bit. And that's always going to be a danger when you're when you're messing around with smoked grains. Yeah, yeah. So so this time around it was a little different. So let's make a, this can be a ringing endorsement uh, for any home brewer out there to go out and buy a smoker. Oh sure, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Spend you know a couple hundred bucks on a smoker. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you could you can talk firsthand now of, of just how much easier of a process this was using a real smoker. Oh absolutely, yeah. No, um, I soaked the the I used the wet method, so I soaked the uh, grains in distilled water, uh, so as not to add any impurities or chlorine or anything into it, and then I spread it over a um, a a smoking tray. Which, in, in my smoker, the smoking tray, the holes are about an inch big, which is far too big for uh, a for grain. So okay. I took some window screen, some big um, window like mesh. screen. Like window mesh, yeah. yeah. 
and laid that across the smoking tray and then put the grains on top of that. Okay. And then I got the um the then I got the grains as far away from the heat source and the smoke as possible and closed off the smoker as much as I could so it would kind of trap the smoke in for for a little bit longer. And how long did this take? It took 2 hours okay. at 200 degrees. Okay. So All right. the, I have a digital smoker so the way that I do is I te- you know I I put in the chips and then I tell it how hot I want the interior to be and how much I smoke I want basically. And it uh it's kind of idiot proof and it uh so it smoked it in applewood for two hours at 200 degrees. So they came out. They were all nice and smoked and dry. And, and dry. And dry. Okay. So yeah. so no no added drying process, nothing like that? No. Nope. You take them right out of the smoker and add them right back to your grain bill? Abs- well, we when I put them in there, I added them in. There's some debate about this, but I prefer to smoke them unmilled. Mm. So before I added Good them point. back into the grain bill, I had to mill them. And then I added them into the grain bill. That, that's a that's a good point to illustrate. Yeah. So, um, so now with that completed, you're you're right back to a standard brew day. There's mm-hmm. there's really no other um, special um, technique or any special process during a, a normal brew day. Everything else is pretty much as one would would expect mm-hmm. after that's done. Absolutely. So let's talk about the recipe uh, real quick. Again, we were uh, going for high ABV. Um, we wanted some uh, some uh, leftover sweetness, as you know, a good porter usually does, and keep uh, keep the hops low because um, high hops is really just going to kind of clash with the smoked flavors, which we wanted to come through. Yep. So um, we we knew exactly what we wanted here. So our base grain um, for this was uh, was Maris Otter, which is our go to uh, base grain for dark beers. It's worth the extra money if you're if you like dark beers as much as I do. Maris is is the way to go. Uh, we had uh, caramel crystal. We had some uh, uh, we had some and some chocolate malt. A very small amount of chocolate malt to uh, to kick up the SRM, and that was that. Uh, hops were a, a low volume of Chinook and then a, a full ounce of East Kent Goldings, and. Um, uh, the mash technique, which has become our uh, our go-to, is uh, has been the double infusion. Mm-hmm. Now, those of you who have um, who have listened to the episode about the uh, the uh, classic pilsner that we made over the summer, um, you'll you'll know about the um, uh, decoction technique, which we talked about, um, where you're using hot grains to raise your uh, your temperature. Um, the double infusion, which we learned from doing this. Um, Really is is a um, less time consuming, but almost as effective method for mashing, especially if you have well modified grains. Exactly, great, yeah. great point. Um, the um, standard uh, single infusion involves just dumping a whole bunch of hot water into a ba- into a grain bill, and your your target temperature is between 148 and 154. Mm-hmm. You're adding a little bit of detail, um, creating it as a double infusion. Um, and you're going to divide this into what we refer to as rests. The first rest at, is at 122 degrees. This is standard across all different beer styles. 122 degrees is what you refer to as your protein rest. Uh-huh. And the protein rest will always be 30 minutes. I think that's right, yeah. yeah. That's how we've done it, yeah. So 
Yeah. 122 degrees for uh, for 30 minutes. Um, the next step, um, which is going to be between your 148 and 154, which you're probably used to uh, doing a single infusion, uh, is what's referred to as your sacrification rest. Um, the temperature on this is going to vary depending on what kind of beer you're making. Mm-hmm. So just pay close attention to your uh, to your recipe. And um, you'll add just a, a, a second uh, volume of strike water, which will, uh, will uh, which is just enough to raise your temperature of the mash from 122 degrees to, let's just say for, for this recipe is is 154. Get that temperature up with that with that additional infusion. Rest that at uh, at 30 minutes, and you're ready to mash out, and then you're ready to sparge. Right. That's that that that's your mash right there. Yeah, I mean the major difference between that is you have the two infusions, and instead of adding all of your water at once, you're not exactly doing half, but you're going to add less water <clears throat> in each step. So you're exactly. not going to have as much water in your in your sacrification rest. And then when you get up to your protein rest, it's going to be the volume of water that you're used to seeing when you do a single infusion. Exactly. Now, the benefits to doing this is you're, you're go, as a home brewer, you're going to increase your efficiency. Yes. The, the, the biggest thing that we saw in our Pilsner Brew Day was we hit an efficiency of almost 80%, which we'd never achieved anything even close to that. Yeah. So I mean, we were excited by that. Um, we have we have done exclusively double infusion mashes since since that, and I don't think we've had an efficiency lower than sixty eight. Maybe yeah, maybe, maybe even higher. This one was a little lower than um, the the seventy two that we're typically going for because it is a higher alcohol uh, to begin with. We yeah, actually, we're going to talk about that. Too. Yeah, so um, and with the higher alcohol beers, especially, I mean, even the pros run into this, but higher alcohol beers, it's harder to pull those sugars and proteins out of the grains. And this like, is and this is important because many people out there that are home brewing. Are not using professional grade equipment, right? I mean, I mean, if you're making a high gravity beer, your your equipment's going to take on a lot. If you're trying to achieve, you know, a, a 1080 plus original gravity, yeah, it's it's difficult to do. Yeah, so I mean, we didn't do it for this one, but for the next one that we'll talk about, we actually told Beersmith, our our resident ingredient calculation app if you're that, not on it get on it <laughs> that our efficiency was going to suck and we'll get more into that later but you know i mean that's that's the kind of uh, adjustment sometimes you need to make especially if you're making those higher gravity beers right right so um let's get to the end of the mash okay so we um we did the uh the two infusions like we talked about mm-hmm. we uh we lottered into our uh, regular brew uh brew kettle and um, as any home brewer will do, you will uh, uh, take a thief of the liquid at that point uh, to calculate what you uh, what you expect your um, starting gravity will be. Your no, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm skipping one step. We have to sparge. Of course, well, yeah. you're going to have a standard sparge of 168 de- degrees. You know, get your 10-minute sparge, ladder off, to, uh, off of that, and with that full volume now in your brew kettle, then you have your your wart, and that's going to be your wart to calculate your starting gravity at. Right. So um, uh, going back to what we were just saying about um, the challenges of achieving those higher original gravities using home brewing equipment, 
we did calculate our starting gravity and it was off from what we expected. I don't remember exactly by how much. About but, 10 points. It was 1066 where it should have been 1076. All right. And that's and that's a su- substantial uh, that's a, that's substantially lower than it's almost than, a point than our target. Of, of that's ABV. one that's 1.3% ABV. See, there you go. Yeah. So, I mean, it's and it, it, that and that's not a strike against me or George as far as to, you know, what we're doing, but you know, our you know, our equipment can only do so much. Right. Yeah. But it did, however, lead us to we talked to some people about how to deal with, you know, bummer efficiencies, especially if you weren't expecting it. Exactly. And, and fortunately, you know, having that conversation, we were relatively prepared for that. Absolutely. Yep. So once we got that reading, I looked at George and said, do we have any sugar? <laughs> and fortunately, the answer was yes. So we, um, I won't call this cheating because I don't think what we did was wrong at all. No, so, it wasn't wrong. Yeah, so we uh, we heated the liquid up, uh, we got to a boil, and we did a sugar addition. Um, we did this because uh, the ideal addition at that point is is, is uh, more likely dry malt extract, um, just because you're adding body and um, flavor specific to each beer by using dry malt extract rather than sugar. But what we have is sugar, right? So that that became our our thing. So we threw in a, a pound of corn sugar yep. to make up those 10 points. Yep. And, you know, we nailed our original gravity and our final gravity. So, uh, you know, pretty much Bob's your uncle. It, it worked out the way we wanted it to. And fast forward to uh, to the end. Oh, I, I guess one thing we can talk about the fermentation. We did uh, we did use White Labs dry, uh, dry English ale. Yes. Yeast for it. Mm-hmm. Um, our... We had a pretty aggressive fermentation. I mean, obviously consistent with how high the gravity was. Yes. Um, I don't remember it taking an extremely long time. No, it was very short, actually. I was going to say, yeah. It was extremely aggressive and very short. Okay. Yeah. And we did do a secondary for it, didn't we? We did. We had to. There was just a ton of stuff in there that had to be kind of filtered out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And fast forward to the, the, uh, the highlight of the story is uh, we entered a porter competition for this beer, and it took second place. Yep. A very, very close second place. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. So. Yeah. I remember one of the stories that uh, I heard from one of the judges is um, there was 14 entries for this competition, and uh, the the smoked uh, porter made by George and I was actually the first one tasted during this judging. And... The judges all looked at themselves after tasting this beer, and they kind of said to themselves, "If this, if if, if this is uh, if this is the bar right right now for this competition, wow, we've got our work cut out for us." <laughs> <laughs> and to me, that's really high praise. Yeah. So I mean, we we set a very high bar at the very beginning of that competition, and I think that's very cool. Yeah, I think so too. I, I love the beer. I mean, it's I mean. It's up there with with the best recipes that we've done, in my opinion. I would agree with that. Yeah. What else? What else stands out uh, about it from your end? You know, I mean, just I was so happy with how the the smoke flavor came through. Yeah. It was a little bit sweet and just there enough that you knew it was there without being overwhelming. Yeah. And I just I just love how everything came together. I think this is another one that we could just make again without having to modify 
I agree. I, I mean, I, it's it's hard to point at anything that we would change, right? Other than maybe the the dry malt extract we talked about. Well, yeah. Well, I would probably adjust the, you know, adjust our efficiency to be to anticipate oh. a lower. Oh, efficiency. in, in Beersmith. Okay, yeah. Right. That's, that's, so that's, that's we fair. could uh, so we could just use the straight grains. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, you know, this this came out exactly the way that we wanted it to. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Smoke beer so. category. We uh, yeah we've talked you know, about you know what we've got coming the smoke up beer category yes in a, in a regional competition. So. I tell you the uh, the calendar is closing in on that it too. Is. We got we got to talk off air about that too. It is yeah. So now another one that we're really happy with and came out exactly like we wanted it to was drum roll please <laughs> vanilla flavored imperial stout. Okay, let's let's talk about this. Um, George and I uh, belong to a beer club. Um, I don't know if I'm supposed to say their names, but um, the Joliet Brewers Guild. Um, Joliet Brewers Guild hosts a annual competition that they call the Big and Dark. Um, being that this is right up my alley, this was a um, this was a competition that became very important to me because, obviously, being uh, guild members and also dark beers being <laughs> being in my wheelhouse the way they are. Uh, I told George this is the one that matters and I want to win. <laughs> so, so uh, it fell onto my shoulders to put a recipe together, and I did. And my goal for this recipe was not just to win the competition, but I wanted to make a imperial stout that was sweet and delicious. That's what, and that's what I set out to make. Mm -hmm. And through that, and that's how I wanted to win the competition by making exactly that. And um, cut to the end, we didn't win the big and dark, but the beer came. uh, The beer was exactly what I set out to make. And with that, I couldn't be happier with it. Right? Yeah. I mean. To be honest, I don't really care that we didn't win. We 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 took what fourth place out of fourteen. I think it was fourth. Yeah. Yeah. So we did very well. And, we did, and it still is a is a real super solid imperial stout. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many new things we did and so many benchmarks we hit on this one that yes. I just you know I'm telling you, I'm going to need your help on on a number of these two. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, the name of this beer is called Lose Imperial Sweet Stout. Uh, I'll uh, I'll heed to George on uh, on the name on that. I did not name this one. Oh, that Lynn and and if you don't know, Lou is the name of the cafe owner in Back to the Future when he goes back to the fifties. <laughs> what can I say? Like I was just like, all right, <laughs> it's, it's a milk stout, and when George McFly walks in, he orders what a chocolate milk. So I figured, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> It's really, it's really creative. You, you, you did way better with that than I would have done. I don't even know what I would have come up with. Anyways, uh, we wanted, uh, we needed to make a high alcohol beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the target original gravity was. Is there anything left? Oh yeah. Oh great. Um, this is going. Uh, this is crossing the uh, the ten barrier. Um, <clears throat> the target original gravity is over one point one. Which um, has never been achieved by a nice place to brew, so we're uh, intending to break uh, break new ground with this. Um, looking at the recipe, 
Um, we had Maris Otter as our base grain. Again, it's the go-to base grain for dark beers. We had Caramel Crystal, 80 Lovabon, so on the higher side. We had Black Barley, um, a pound of lactose. Mm, you missed one. And Munich Malt. Yep. Yeah, skipping around. Oh, no, okay. I didn't forget anything. <laughs> Hop Edition was, uh, was relatively mild. Uh, we had Magnum and Chinook um, to achieve a IBU of about 45, well consistent with the stout category. And uh, this is important uh, on a beer like this. Um, when you have a high grain bill such as this, um, you can expect difficulties as far as draining the mash. And the way around this is by adding a, a pretty sizable amount of rice hulls, which is going to smooth out the liquid and make it drain a whole lot easier. Yeah, that was my only suggestion to, to add to this. And, and it was the right thing to do. Right. I mean, their the the recipe is solid. I just like looked at this and said, we're going to have a stuck mash. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and it came in handy. Um, and, and this is where I'll have to yield to George on uh, to, to describe this better. But um, this really became, this, this recipe became a big challenge for our equipment. It did. It did because we didn't have the capacity to do this in our standard round igloos. So this let's was- uh, let's illustrate this a little bit more. Uh, I'm not going to give the quantities of each of the um, each of the grains, but this is a grain bill that's north of 22 pounds. Right. So I mean, it's it's a big, sizable. It's the biggest grain bill we've ever had. Yes. And and we told Beer Smith that our efficiency was going to be like 64 or something ridiculously bad like that to compensate for the high know, gravity. Exactly. Yeah. So we when we did this, we decided our igloo coolers were not going to cut it. So we grabbed a metal mash tun that we have, which is also our secondary um, boil kettle, put in the false bottom, and loaded all the grains in. Yep. And when we did that, we had to um, make some adjustments because we, I could not find a way in Beersmith to be able to do the infusions with that amount of grain and get it up to the right temperature that we needed. I could not get the water hot enough or add enough water without diluting it or without getting the water up to 300 degrees before we added it. To, to add this, I mean, your, your point was uh, well illustrated by the 300 degrees because what does water do after 212 degrees? It evaporates. It starts That's to it. evaporate you, there's very no su- quickly. There's no such thing as 300 degree water. It can only go so high. So... We, in, 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 instead, what we decided to do was we decided to, instead of doing an infusion mash, we did a temperature increase mash, which, we, which meant that we actually put the mash tun on our propane burner, and in between each step, we took five, in the course of about five minutes, we raised the temperature up to the next step. So the very first thing we did was we brought the water up to 122 degrees to strike temperature, and we added it. And then when we needed to bring it up to 154, we turned on the burner. Mm -hmm. And when we did that, because there was about two or three inches below the false bottom, we took our pitcher and we recirculated some of the water up to the top to be able to get that, to make sure we had an even temperature the whole way through. Right. And and that's how we brought it up to our next temperature. So that's 
a new mashing technique in a new mash ton, you know, and, and, and with some challenges going on. So now you did some research prior to putting this plan together as far as how we were going to do this. Yeah, yeah, I did. And so what we typically what we don't do typically is we don't usually have a mash out step. We use our sparge or, uh, you know, our fly sparge off at 168 to 170 degrees to act as our mash out and to act as our sparge in the same kind of step. Right. Um, because we didn't have volume for sparge, we, we did a no sparge um, setup, but we did bring it up to the mash out temperature. Mm-hmm. So we raised the temperature again to 168, 170 before we did the drain. Um so yeah, so that was a very very new technique for us, um, but it worked out, you know. And yes, our efficiency was was not great with our equipment u- using that technique. However, we did get uh, we did pretty much nail our original gravity that we were going for. We did. We had uh, we did have a supplement of uh, we had a couple different. Uh, uh, supplements with this we did have uh we did have a lactose infusion in we, the uh in we the did boil. but that was planned it, it was planned yes, yes and that helped um we also uh, we also steeped some uh, pale chocolate to increase increase our srm no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> i refuse to have you say that that's because of gravity no let me read well, no, you. no 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 i didn't no, say it was no, had to do no. with the gravity i but that's the implication i here. said srm <laughs> i didn't say gravity all right, so I have a note in here from November 20th. It says, I steeped four ounces of pale chocolate malt, which is about 125 Lovabon, at 165 degrees because Jason thought it wasn't dark enough. Listen, big and dark. If that's not dark enough, we lose. We lose, yes. And so- I was intent on winning this damn competition. So yes, if if four pounds of steep chocolate malt is what is what's going to make the difference, then damn it, we're going to do it. Well, four pounds probably would have been a bit much. This is four oh, I'm ounces. sorry, four ounces. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Okay, no. I'll calm down. <laughs> no, but I happen to have a muslin bag and four ounces of pale chocolate laying around. So I stand by that that was a that was a good move. <laughs> I have trouble with shades, so you <laughs> taking your word for it, but it definitely came out dark. That it sure did. Um. As as far as compensating for the uh, for the gravity, um, we had the lactose. Yeah, we didn't do anything beyond that. I was I was gonna say. Mm-mm. So um, so just it, it was it, it our, was it was a lower efficiency, but it right. was a lower efficiency that we planned for. Right. Um, and I think the recipe just kicked up our grain bill just to um, to uh, appropriately compensate, so we could still hit the numbers. Exactly what it did. Yeah, and uh, and it worked. Because we did achieve the 1.1 original gravity. Which is another first for us. It's, we've never broken the 1.1 barrier. And it's funny because when I measured it, I'm so used to saying 10-something that... Saying 11 was weird. I, I Well, I said 10, and then I was like, wait, no, that's not right. <laughs> so, you know, it was it was pretty much 11 exactly. I think you're right, yeah. And that was, you know, that was exactly what we were going for, and, and, and yeah, it got hit. Yeah. Um, yeast. 
So let's talk about mm-hmm. fermentation. Sure. Um, we did, um, I think we did make an addition here. Uh, we used British Ale 2 from Y Yeast. Mm-hmm. And we also used a pack of USO5 to yes. bolster it. Yes, and, and it was the right thing to do because when you have a gravity that high, you know, you've that's a lot of sugar for one packet of yeast to uh, right. to and go on to. You're going from 11 to 10:30. Right. You're asking it to bring it down 80 points. Right, exactly. That's a bit excessive for one pack of it, yeast. It is. It is. So. Now, one thing that's important to illustrate is that uh, that remaining sugar uh, in the final gravity is important in this. Oh yeah. Again, by design, this was designed to be a sweet stout. Mhm. And with a sweet stout, you're going to have to leave sugars left over that are reflected in the final gravity. Absolutely. And for some reason, milk sugars are not fermentable. Right. So this is the uh, this is the best candidate for that. Exactly. So um, time was of the essence with this. Um, I think we only had – we made this with only a couple weeks yeah, like prior a week to the competition. Yeah, a week and a half or two weeks, yeah. We uh, – um, the the last part of uh, this discussion about this uh, involves the uh, the addition that we made into the keg. Oh yeah, because um, the thought was, um, what kind of sweetness do we want to generate? And it's like you know, I mean, could we just leave enough sugar over that it's just a generally sweet stout? Yeah, we probably could, but you know, I mean, how much how how memorable is that going to be? Probably not very. So. Um, in debating what kind of you know uh, adjuncts that we could use, um, I settled on uh, the idea of using vanilla. Vanilla is very flavorful, very sweet, and mixes really well with a dark beer. Mm-hmm. So um, there was some question early on of whether or not we were going to have time to um, uh, to do the addition and have the beer be ready for competition. Uh, it turns out that we did by a couple mm-hmm. of days. And uh, we made the decision. Um, we did not do a secondary with this. No, with time with, due to time constraints. So we went from primary to a keg. We did a vanilla extract edition. I think it was two ounces of a four ounce bottle. I think is what we made. It's two or three ounces. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And um, the vanilla came through um, amazingly. And uh, thanks to a, a last minute uh, keg shake by George which alleviated some last-minute concerns that we had of whether or not it had come through or not. Well, but, that and carbonation, that was yeah, the primary reason for the let's, shaking Let's, the let's talk about that day for a second. This was, this was a day or two prior to the competition, some, or something like that. Um, I came to George's house. Uh, we were in the garage, and, said, and he said, hey, you want to you try the, um, the stout? I said, sure. So we poured a little bit into a glass prior to doing, doing anything to the keg, and... It uh, it tasted the flat from flat. what I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty accurate. <laughs> so, um, which is disheartening. I mean, we had our sights set on doing really well in this competition, and of course, we wanted a sweet vanilla flavored stout, of which it you know was neither of those at that point. So, after a vicious shake of the keg, we filled two glasses, and what came out was a very carbonated and very vanilla full glass of stout yeah i took a sip of this and where my brain went to was george this is exactly what i set out (laughs) to make going back to what i said earlier on 
Was it this one or was it this smoked porter where I brought out a glass and said, you're about to drink your new favorite beer? Uh, it was the smoked. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the difference in that story was the smoked from the very beginning. I mean, from from the end of the brew day through fermentation, everything went right. Yeah. I mean, straight out of the secondary, this beer was ready to go. It was exactly as designed and it was great. Yeah. The vanilla, the, the first, the first taste for both of us, we were like, "Oh boy, what if, you know what's?" I mean, it was it was such a unique brew day, right? You know, there's so many firsts, like we were just describing before. Um, I think we were both slightly prepared for this being not what it was designed for, but in the end, it was exactly what it was designed for. Yeah, which it is was. which is really exciting. So, um. I, I guess that's how we started the story, and I think that's that's how I want to end the story. the the um, the, the recipe was exa- came out exactly the way I designed it to be, and it's, regardless of the um, uh, results of the competition, um, I think th- it's tempting for me to say I'm more proud of that recipe than any other one that we've put together. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, for me, for me, it's probably the smoked smoked porter that I'm most proud of, um, probably because that was that was. I think the very first recipe that I put together because I basically is that, is that true? Yeah, cuz I basically stole the uh um triple recipe from I think Northern Brewer. Um so I think the porter recipe was the first one that I did on a whim and then has been developed since then. Um Okay, all right, this is coming back to me. Yeah. Okay, you you did a one-off recipe. It was like I a did. one-gallon batch. It was, yeah, it was a tiny batch. Right. It was and terrible. It, it came out not well. <laughs> but I, I didn't know this recipe had anything to do with that Oh, with yeah, that this recipe. has been developed from that recipe, basically. From, okay, yeah, from so. that recipe. Okay, th- yeah, okay, I'm, I'm learning something new, and, but <laughs> new no, myself. I, I totally get the, uh, you know, that uh, Lou's Sweet Stout is, is, is yours, and... I think we ended the year very well with our, uh, you know, what is quickly becoming two of our favorite beers that we've oh, made. Oh, we absolutely did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, one thing to, to note is when I, when we were talking about this at, in, a, in another one of our brew clubs, uh, somebody mentioned a way that we could modify our recipe in order to be able to do a sparge and to be able to do the infusions like we wanted oh, to. I'm glad you brought this up. This is good. Um because the one thing I didn't modify on there, on the entire recipe, was boil time. Yeah, sorry. Drum, Drum roll, roll, please. <laughs> was boil time. And um, and I didn't think about it, but they're absolutely right. If you have an excess amount of water in order to be able to do your sparge, in order to be able to do your infusions and really pull out those sugars and hopefully increase your efficiency, um, boil it longer. And it's going to decrease the volume of uh, water that you have in your pot. Now, my head was stuck at a boil time of 60 minutes. And I didn't think to adjust the boil time on that. But had I adjusted it to 90 minutes or two hours even, we could have added a significantly uh, higher amount of water, been able to do our infusions, been able to do our sparge, Possibly increase our efficiency. Possibly, yeah. and um, and and be able to you know kind of run it like normal. Yeah, I'm yeah, kind of happy. Point. You know, happy accident that we didn't do yeah, that because yeah. you know 
figuring out the concept of uh, temperature, you know, raising the temperature using a burner and everything rather than doing a uh, infusion was a good thing for us to try. Yeah, it was it was it was a learning experience for both of us. Yeah, and I mean the result came out good. So, yeah, but yeah, little note if you are having trouble with your water volumes, you need more water, but you're you're running up against a delusion point in your beer. Try increasing your boil time. Yeah. I'm seeing an increase of uh, recipes out there that call for 90 or even 120-minute boils. So not some just something not to shy away from. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that uh, that what a what a great way to cap uh, cap off the year. I mean, just with a, with with two such memorable recipes, and um, look forward to an even better 2017. Yeah, yeah. We're, we've uh, got... we're we're about to start things off already this coming weekend. We've got uh, uh, we're making a modified version of our um, Scotch ale that we uh, first designed last year, mm-hmm. and uh, this could uh, this could do well in a competition. And we're, and we're prepared to do just that. We're we're going to be doing it with, and we're going to have a bunch of things to talk to you guys about because we're going to be, this is going to be our first experience with a rim system with um, a all-electric pump-driven system. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, it's just, there's going to be a lot of firsts for us this coming weekend because we're shall not. We, shall we have him join us for that show? We could ask him if he wants I, I, to join us. Sure. I'd love it. I love it. Because um, we're not actually going to be doing this on our, our system. This yes. Is our, this, is this is our first joint project. Mm-hmm. Our first collaboration. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. No, and um, the, um, the the person we're collaborating with is the person that beat us in the Porter competition. Mm. So, <laughs> hey, 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 listen, if, if some uh, this. I'm tempted to say if you can't beat them, join them, but that's that, that does that's not fit, that's not fitting. Um, <laughs> but I think it is important that you're that you take lessons from uh, from the people that are achieving results that you that you aim to achieve. And, oh, for sure, and you know, it, it, and the guy is generally a good guy. Yeah, and, no, he's he's somebody we call a friend. Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we've it's a system that we wanted to see and wanted to work with for a while. So I'm really kind of excited about. You know, brewing on his system, and I am too. Yeah, and it's the double infusion, which we did not do on the last recipe. It's true. We had mash issues with uh, both times we made this, and this is the most important part. This is a go-to style for both of us. Yes, Scotch ales are awesome. Yes, yeah. So, I mean, at the end of this, I think we're have a delicious Scotch ale, and maybe a first competition win. That's the plan. Exactly. Well, we'll look forward to uh, to talking about this recipe and uh, in future projects with you guys. As always, thank you very much uh, for uh, for joining us. We really enjoy doing uh, doing these shows, and we look forward to plenty more in 2017. So, to seal this off, uh, as we're down at the end of the bottle of this 13th hour uh, <laughs> beer from Sam Adams, it takes a lot of good beer to make great beer. Cheers! Cheers!